Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mee. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Clean. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. N2K Podcast. And online at ciaops.podbean.com. Welcome along to the Need to Know Podcast. This is episode 291 and we are at the end of November 2022. My name is Robert Crane. So in this episode, before we get into some of the news and the editorial, which we'll talk a little bit about some beginnings of collaboration or framework that I've developed to get you started moving files into the cloud. As always, let's just run through a few resources that I make available to you. One of these is my Twitter account, at DirectorCIA. Now, with the with all the machinations that are going on regarding Twitter, I've also taken the step of setting up a Mastodon account, which again sort of is an open source Twitter. For those of you who are interested in that, you'll find me at DirectorCIA at twit.social. So if you are out there on Mastodon, uh, please uh, friend me, add me to your feed there, let me know what you think. Let's have a bit of a chat there. Be interested to see what happens uh, with that in regards to, like I said, what's happening potentially at Twitter and uh, some of the strains that are going on there. So uh, if you are on Mastodon, please, at DirectorCIA at twit.social. Now, as always, you can contact me via email, director at ciaops.com. Now, one of the other resources that I do provide is a free Teams share channel. Uh, again, I've got a link to that in the show notes that you can go and Uh, follow through the steps there to configure your organization to uh, allow that to happen and just send me an email letting me know you've done those steps and I will give you access to that. So in there you'll find you know news updates conversations again there's no cost to do that you do need to have uh, a Teams account somewhere uh, but it's going to allow you obviously to participate in in the free community that I'm building there and also Uh, get an idea, a feel for what this Team Share channel uh, is all about. Now, what I've also got out there, if you aren't aware, is a bit of a merch store, um, some T-shirts, cups and so on. Uh, The most recent one that I created is a bit of an indictment on what I've seen as the worst secure score. So go and have a look at that uh, T-shirt. If you're not uh, following the uh, YouTube video here, I'll leave that as an exercise for you to go and see what is the lowest secure score that I have ever seen out there. That's now uh, embossed on a t-shirt that you can purchase and make a statement out there. Now, all of these resources are provided by those that support me via the CIA Ops Patron. Again, you can find details about that program at ciaopspatron.com. There are a couple of different levels there, bronze, silver, and gold give you a different level of access to information, to a knowledge base, to scripts and so on. So go in, have a look at that. And thank you very much to those patrons who are basically helping to support these sort of resources uh, on top of all the other benefits they are receiving 
from being part of uh, that community. Now into the news, the first bit of news is the ACSC Annual Cyber Threat Report. Uh, this runs from July 21 to June 22, so about a year's worth. As a PDF you can download, but uh, the website, which I'll put in the notes here, you can go and have a look at it. Uh, not lots of statistics, especially focused on the Australian market. So, uh, you know, we've got some, I suppose, summary here that the average loss was about $64,000 uh, per report. Uh, the average cost per cyber crime uh, report to over 39000 for small businesses, 88000 for medium business, and 62000 for larger businesses. So always a good measure of what's actually happening out there. I think the ACSC is, you know, I think a very good and realistic uh, report to have a look at. There's a lot of people with a lot of statistics out there that uh, can seem, you know, quite exorbitant at times, quite inflated. But again, I think this report is, is very down to earth and very realistic. So I'd encourage you to go and have a look at that. And again, the link will be in the show notes for you to go and have a look at. Now, the other thing the ACSC has released is this exercise in a box. Now, this was originally created uh, by the Cybersecurity Agency in the UK, and they've now brought it over to uh, the Australian website here. And what it is, it's basically a number of tutorials or training scenarios that you can run through and your organization come, can run through. And it will give you an example of something, you know, you've had a, some sort of phishing compromise or some sort of mailbox breach. What actions do you take? What do you need to do? What are the processes? What's the incident response there? So there's a number of exercises to select from and run through. Very easy to use and, again, highly recommended as you know, a good approach for training as an organization when it comes, comes to a cybersecurity threat. So that's called Exercise in a Box. And again, that now is available on the ACSC website. There is also, like I said, a similar program running uh, in the UK. Now from Microsoft, one of the articles that I thought was really worthwhile mentioning is this one here called Manage Exclusions for Microsoft Defender for Endpoint and Microsoft Defender for AV. So this was largely uh, contributed by a Microsoft MVP, Fabian Bader, uh, but it has some really good information, quite extensive uh, in the detail and the links and resources that it does provide on how to go up and set uh, uh, exceptions if you're using you know the Defender products there so I will encourage you to go and have a look at that and read through that and understand what it is but it's a great resource and I'd recommend uh, that you do uh, bookmark that for uh, later reference. Now another really good article from Microsoft here is Azure AD Certificate Based Authentication CBA on mobile. Uh, in a nutshell what that's going to allow you to do now is to use uh, NFC style devices. So if you're using uh, the latest YubiKey, so uh, 5 NF NFC uh, YubiKey has the capability to you know, NFC to the mobile device, which can then be used with passwordless authentication. So what it means here is, again, it's an easy way to overcome you know, very common phishing style attacks where people you know, are tricked to putting in their password or whatever. They've got to have the YubiKey, they've got to have their phone, uh, and then that authenticates in there. The real trick here is to download and use the YubiKey app uh, and associate that with the YubiKey, the physical YubiKey, and then you can link that to Microsoft's passwordless 
uh, capability here. And this article goes through and shows you, you know, what it looks like and how to go in and set that all up. So again, if there is a need for you to use a YubiKey with your mobile device, well then Azure AD uh, now supports. That's a pretty cool little article that I'll refer you to to go and have a look at. Now, outside of security, I would suggest that one of the biggest items I would be suggesting everybody pay attention to uh, is Microsoft Syntex. Uh, a lot of details came to us through the recent Ignite, but there's an article here called Introducing Preview Access to Microsoft Syntex Document Processing and More. Now, if you read through the article uh, today being you know the 28th here, uh, in Australia, what this article says that a free preview of Syntex document processing will begin on November 29th, so tomorrow, but probably because that's a US date, it'll be the day after here in Australia. So uh, it's only going to be for a limited time, and it says here you can activate a free public preview of Syntex's unstructured document processing and pre built document processing. Now, what that basically means is uh, what Syntex, for example, is going to be able to do is use things like AI to extract meaningful tagging information uh, and put that in a way that can be used inside things like SharePoint and Teams uh, via search and other ways. So one of the big limitations around most people moving to the cloud and taking full advantage of the collaboration capabilities is you know the need or the you know looking at standardizing document naming conventions tagging uh, that that really gives the information power but again the trade-off is that can take a lot of time if you don't have this structured this pre-structured environment now having a product like syntax able to do that automatically based on you know ai and other signals i think that's going to be really really powerful so i'd certainly be paying attention to this uh, getting on this pre uh, this free preview that you know starts in a day or two and you know understanding what it can do now the other really good thing i think about syntax is that you know normally the way these are delivered uh, from microsoft is typically via the you know the highest license the e5 license first but one of the capabilities we're seeing microsoft move towards is this uh, on demand capability via licensing the product through Azure. So we see that with the Power Platform already, but now it looks as though Syntax will also be able to be licensed on demand through an Azure subscription. So rather than paying a flat, you know, a higher flat fee license per month, we can uh, use the capabilities, but, you know, do an on demand billing through Azure. So I think that's going to give great flexibility, great capabilities, and work really well in SMB for that on-demand capability. So again, keep an eye out for that. But my advice to you is to go have a look at this article. I'll make sure it's in the show notes and go up and sign up for this you know, free preview of Syntex. Uh, that starts on the 29th. Go in, have a play with it, get a bit of feel before it actually goes uh, general availability. Now, another really good adoption site that I found recently uh, from Microsoft around Teams is adoption.microsoft.com. Now, in there, there's a spe specific uh, Teams adoption capability. Uh, it's got a, like a flipbook there that will allow you to understand better the best practices to take and, and the approaches to you know uh, enhance or, or speed up the adoption inside your organization. So it's a great little, a handy little site here that's gonna give you lots of tips, lots of tricks, 
Um, plenty of guidance around, you know, things like virtual meetings, you know, differences between frontline workers, uh, the integration, you know, for small businesses and so on, uh, industry roles, running meetings and webinars, uh, and there are, you know, links to the range of adoption resources for, you know, all sorts of other products, you know, like um, Outlook, Lists, uh, Viva, uh, Power Platform and so on. So I certainly commend that to you uh, to speed along and enhance any adoption that you have at the moment. So one of the other ones we've got here that is a really key product that I use all the time is Microsoft Whiteboard. Now, Microsoft Whiteboard, as it sounds, is a digital whiteboard capability and application, but we're now getting better integration with the Office 365 stack, with the documents or the whiteboards being saved into, uh, into a user's OneNote. We've also got the ability to embed or to include sticky notes, which we can now you know, automatically resize. We can embed videos. Uh, I really like using whiteboard during meetings, you know, brainstorming, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's now including you know, a countdown clock for you know, brainstorming uh, in particular time periods. Uh, so I really, if you haven't used it, I really suggest using it. it. I find it's a really great way to, like I say, get ideas quickly down on Digital Link, and then you know have that context searchable, saved, backed up, available on multiple devices. So most of the teaching that I do provide, I do normally do this uh, using Whiteboard, and a big fan of the application. So go in, have a look at that. I'll put the link uh, to this article in the show notes for you. Now, speaking of new bits and pieces here, we have a, a new app, or a couple of new apps here for Teams. Now, this one here is a games app, and they call it a games app for work. So, very interesting here. So, what it is, and what I do like about it, is that just like many of the other apps you can add to a meeting in Teams, you can now run or you can now you know, allow attendees to you know uh, participate in a number of games. So we've got Solitaire, Minesweeper, and so on. Now, I suppose those are a bit questionable potentially, but the real winner here is the Icebreakers one. So this is basically like a trivia-style question, and I found it to work really well in the few times that I've used it just prior to the meeting to get engagement, to get people involved. Um, to sort of break the ice. And I think that works really, really well. So again, there's no cost for this um, application. You can add it to Teams, uh, add it to a meeting, and then you can do uh, situations where you know, participants uh, work together to you know, solve games like Minesweeper, uh, Solitaire, and so on. So again, have a look at it, load it up. Um, there is information here how you can control or block this via policy uh, if you want. But Again, I really encourage you to go and have a look at least at the icebreakers uh, option inside Teams here, these games, to you know give um you know a bit more of a boost to any of the meetings that you will be running um, shortly. So I've done that a couple of times myself. I found that you know to work really really well, easy to add, and so on. Now, one of the other things that uh, Teams has added uh, is with this instant poll. So it's it's recently had the capability basically to add polls into teams but one of the limitations i found was that you had to spend a lot of time preparing the poll prior and then injecting it into the team is always a little bit cumbersome and, and again if you just want a yes or a no or a thumbs up a thumbs down or a rating perhaps 
it was a little bit cumbersome. Took a long time to, I thought, to set that up for something that was relatively simple. But now we've got this capability that we can have these instant polls. Instant polls will, you know, appear in the meeting. You can basically click one button and it will create, you know, a pre-canned template uh, poll for you. You know, things like you know, feedback, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I think these work really, really well as well. So the additions here to teams if you if you do a lot of teams meeting or you really want to get the most out of them these sort of additions do make a big difference i think they do make interactions uh, and involvement with the audience uh, much higher and certainly would encourage you to go and have a look at these have a play around with them i think they certainly have value uh, inside most uh, meetings so moving away from teams we now have the ability to create and push out organizational messages for Windows 11. Now, that is in public preview. The link will be in the show notes. Now, firstly, importantly to remember, it's only available with Windows 11 22H2, so the latest version of Windows here. Now, organizational messages, many people think, you know, it's just a bit of text or a you know, pop-up toast notification at the bottom uh, right-hand corner there. But this is far more sophisticated. This really does allow you to create, you know, very, um, you know, I suppose pretty or very vivid, um, you know, messages that can be uh, provided or pushed to a user to give them more notification. The demonstration Microsoft uses here uh, in the article is, you know, a new user who's come on board to the organization uh, how do they get access to some of the information and that can be pushed to them using this organizational message here now uh, again the best idea is to go in and have a look uh, at the blog post here it will show you the look and the feel of this but you know it's far more than just uh, simple text so i encourage you to go and have a look at that now the only downside apart from needing windows 22 h2 seems to be that you need as always uh, an E3 or an E5 uh, Microsoft license, which is a bit disappointing. Now, my feeling is that, yes, that's probably initially the case. I think we'll see it broaden as you know, more people jump on the Windows 11 bandwagon and come up to 22H2 as an offering. But let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that this comes down to something like business premium as well. But for the moment, it does say that it requires you know, an E5 or an E3 license. Now, with all that said, let us turn our attention to what I think is, you know, one of the major areas that is overlooked by a lot of people when assisting customers with, you know, adoption and moving to the cloud. Now, what I would do is I would refer you to a blog post that I wrote, you know, uh, I suppose a number of years ago now, and it's called the Framework for Migrations to Microsoft 365, and it runs through a number of steps to you know give you i think you know the best practices around moving from an on-prem environment into the cloud now one of the first steps in that is to look at utilizing onedrive now onedrive is a personal file storage location for each user uh, in your environment this is where they're going to be able to put their desktop files their home drive their profile uh, any of those sort of pro personal private documents that they are working on. 
Now, the other really good thing about OneDrive is that they'll be able to access it on their web. They'll be able to potentially synchronize it to their desktop. They'll also be able to access it on a mobile device. So don't overlook the importance of you know, assisting users understanding that they can get access to all their information uh, on their mobile device as well. Now, I think that um, many, you know, IT professionals just see OneDrive, you know, perhaps as, you know, just a dumping ground for files or, you know, something that the user can use to, you know, store information that isn't accessed by everyone. But I, I think the important thing to think of here is the way I would approach OneDrive is to look at it as really uh, a training mechanism for users, many users who haven't really experienced uh, cloud storage and utilization, especially in a corporate or enterprise or a business style environment. So this is a really good place to start because what you want to do is not just you know dump user files in there. What you want to do is take the user through a journey and, and a good way to do that is to create an automated email sequence. So on day one, they would get an email that says, you know, welcome to your OneDrive for business. This is its capabilities. This is what it's for. And the big advantage I would call out in that first email or that first sequence would be the capability to go in here and to do a search. So we can use all the information that is put into a user's OneDrive and they can search uh, through that quickly and easily. So big, big benefit. Make sure you do call out that search uh, is going to give users that productivity benefit of enabling them to find that information really, really quickly. Now, once that first email has gone out, the one that goes out next, the next day would be, okay, this is how you would go in and create a new uh, web-based Word document or an Excel document or PowerPoint or so on. So you'd use the new menu option in your OneDrive to go and create a new uh, Word document. The next one would then probably say, you know, this is how you edit the document, this is how you rename it, um, and so on. This is how you create a folder. Then, you know, the next email would say, okay, this is how you would upload, you know, an individual file, individual folders, how you would get information into, you know, the OneDrive for business. Now, also don't forget that users can also, you know, drag and drop information uh, into their OneDrive for business. So you can just take, you know, this and uh, any file there and generally just, you know, drag and drop that uh, into, you know, over the browser there and it will then, you know, go in, be uploaded into, you know, OneDrive uh, for business. So again, just doing it here on YouTube, I'm going to drag and drop a PDF. We'll see the PDF and the uploading will appear in the top uh, right-hand corner there and that file has been uploaded. Now, just as important, don't forget to help the users understand how to delete a file. So what happens, you know, uh, what's the process of deleting file? And of course, make sure they do understand, you know, how to, you know, recover a file from the recycle bin as well. So, but the idea here is, is to think of, you know, your OneDrive uh, as a training ground prior to the user getting to using Teams and SharePoint because OneDrive is still built on SharePoint style technology and that is going to be valid in Teams as well as SharePoint and throughout the Microsoft environment. Now, the big benefit of using OneDrive is the fact that it's private, it's unique to each user. One of the hesitations many people have is they don't want to play with something that's new or that they're not familiar with uh, in front of everybody else. So letting them know that 
their OneDrive for Business is a private area that they can you know, test and they can trial. Any mistakes they make can be recovered because we've got the recycle bin there. Uh, we've also got the capability that if they do make a mistake, nobody else is going to see it. Nobody else is going to judge, judge them. It's their own private area to get familiar with the technology, use it on their mobile de devices, really get uh, the feel for it. So having that unique play area, that sandboxed area that is you know separate from every other user, I think is really, really critical in driving uh, adoption. Now, a couple of other little tools I would suggest when it comes to adoption is also with the mobile app, the OneDrive uh, mobile app, you'll find it has the capability to use Office Lens. So that allows you to take a picture of a document and for it to be uh, basically uploaded into automatically into the OneDrive for Business. So in my case, I use that extensively when I travel. Every receipt that um, I you know, are given, I will take a photo of that and I will you know, OCR it, convert it into searchable text, upload that into my OneDrive for Business, and then from there I will move it to an appropriate folder later on. But I've always got that information captured. Most importantly, once it's OCR'd, it is then, you know, again, searchable. I can put my finger on that uh, invoice really quickly and really easily. And that is built into the mobile app, but there is a separate older style application called Office Lens uh, that you can use. But that is, I said, built into the OneDrive app. Make sure that you show people how to use that. I think that's, you know, something that really makes life uh, super simple. Now, another technique that I employ is to implement something called a daybook. Okay, so I have a daybook, which is a daybook template, which is basically a diary that has, you know, the months across the top and the days down the side in one. Now, I do have uh, that available as a template, so you can download that. So if you go to, again, my uh, GitHub repo and I think think from memory it's in the uh, general uh, repo that I've got there so github.com forward slash director CIA forward slash general in there you'll find a file called daybook.1pkg right so uh, OneNote so there's a OneNote package you can again expand that into the OneNote which is on every you know basically uh, on every environment and then you can save that synchronize that the other way you can obviously do that is also create that uh, OneNote using the new option and you can also you know, synchronize. Now, the big benefit of the OneNote is many, most people understand diaries and how they work, but making that digital will help them understand the benefits of synchronizing that information to their mobile, to their desktop. Uh, and then once they've got that, it's going to be backed up. It's going to allow them to put text, pictures, uh, files, all sorts of information in there rather than you know, writing it down in a notebook. So most people in an organization, when you bring them in for training, they come in with you know, a, a paper notebook and a pen. Uh, we really need to encourage them to move to a paperless uh, environment. So the office lens that I talked about, scanning receipts, is one way. Uh, moving to OneNote is another way to help drive adoption and you know, reduce the amount of paper, improve the searchability uh, of information. So they're sort of two techniques or two approaches I would take to, again, drive uh, adoption, get people you know, keen on using the technology that is OneDrive to you know, store capabilities like OneNote. 
Uh, but remember, as I said, the main thing is around this searchability here. So once I put information in there, it's going to be searchable. And make sure that you do show people um, what it is, how to use it, how to get the most out of search. Because they are not largely going to know and they're probably not going to want to fiddle around there. So in the framework that I do provide and or do recommend as a best practice, the starting point is OneDrive for Business. Think of it not necessarily as a place only to put users' files, but also think of it as a sandbox training location in which users can become familiar with working with files in the cloud because that capability is going to be consistent you know, across Teams, across SharePoint, uh, basically any sort of cloud uh, file repository in Microsoft 365, really great place to start. And once you get people buying into that, then I think you'll find the adoption into some of these other tools uh, to be you know, much, much easier. So again, learn all the capabilities, show all the uh, what's available in OneDrive for Business, look at the integration with things like OneNote, uh, Office Lens, all these other capabilities that are available. You can also create shortcuts to other file locations in SharePoint and Teams, and that appears uh, in OneDrive for Business, making it easier for users to navigate their environment. So I think that helping users understand, appreciate, or, or get to grips with probably what is going to be considered to be the you know, replacement to the on-premises or local uh, Windows Explorer file manager, this OneDrive for Business really should be seen as the you know, cloud-based file manager that users need to become familiar with to get the most out of this product. So again, take that on board. And the final thing I'll leave you with, which is really good about OneDrive for Business, is that on day one with adoption, you can give everybody, get everybody started with OneDrive for Business, because typically they'll already have a license, they probably haven't been there at all, so they you show them how to navigate there, some of the benefits, and then they'll be off to the races in their own sandboxed environment without the fear of um, you know, making embarrassing mistakes that potentially others uh, may see, see and judge them for. So on day one, you know, once we start doing training, once we start showing people OneDrive for Business, they can take it, run with it, and what they create is their own personal private area. They can see on the web, they can see on their mobile, and they can see potentially on their desktop. And OneDrive for Business is really simple. It's not the full-blown SharePoint. It's just the file management. So look at this as a process, a step-by-step -step process to get people familiar, comfortable, and understanding of you know how to use files in the cloud. And to me, OneDrive for Business is the tool that you would use to uh, largely achieve that. All right, well, hopefully that has given you some ideas, some thoughts to go and look at when it comes to your adoption and the processes that you know, you'll encourage and take users to remember it's going to be a journey. It's not uh, just going to be a destination there. So really, that's all for me for this podcast. Hopefully you've got value. Please uh, let others know uh, if you do get value out of that. Please don't hesitate to uh, send me any feedback that you have, what you'd like to see, improvements. Again, you can reach out to me on Twitter, at DirectorCIA, and now on Mastodon, at DirectorCIA, at twit.social. And you can use the good old email method, director at CIAops.com if you want. Happy to receive any suggestions that people may have. And I really hope you've got value out of this. Please let me know. And that's all for this episode of the Need to Know podcast. 
You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.